Oh, Father, that is our prayer this morning. Show us Christ. Reveal your glory to us through the preaching of your word. And give us hearts to confess that you are Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, good morning, and again, welcome to River City Church. If you're a guest with us, we're glad that you're here, um, and you are catching us in the third week of a sermon series going through what we believe as a church. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jake preached on the foundation and the authority of everything that we do here as a church, which is the Word of God. And last week, Charlie reminded us that the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ took the punishment for our sins as our substitute to make us one with God. And that is the gospel. And we believe that the gospel is the center and the motivation for everything that we do here. And this morning, we're going to dive into discipleship. And specifically, we're going to look at our mission statement, which is making disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. If you do not have a copy of God's Word, you can raise your hand. Our strike team will come down. They'll hand one out to you. If you do have a copy of God's Word, please take it and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, this morning, we're barely going to scratch the surface on discipleship. And so my goal is to open up the door for more scratching. It's like when you get a mosquito bite and you itch it for the first time and then it itches worse. That's my goal this morning is to get you to scratch but not a mosquito bite discipleship. So a little bit about 2 Timothy before we look at the text. 2 Timothy was written by the Apostle Paul and he wrote it to his beloved son in the faith, Timothy. Now when this letter was written, Paul had known and discipled Timothy for about 15 years. And Timothy was a young pastor who was just asked to shepherd the church in Ephesus. And so Paul wrote this letter to encourage his young disciple in the faith, Timothy, in his ministry. But Paul also wrote this letter to encourage the church in Ephesus. And specifically in our passage this morning, Paul is instructing Timothy in the ministry of discipleship. So let's look at it together. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. We're really focusing on verse 2, but I just want to read so you get the context of what's going on. You then, my child, Paul speaking to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. This is God's holy word that cannot and does not fail. We are all following something or someone. 
We follow things like the Twins making it into the playoffs. Amen. We follow our fantasy football. We follow social media. We follow podcasts. We follow our hobbies. We follow TV shows like Downton Abbey. Anybody? No? All right. A few people. We follow the things that we are interested in. And with technology, it is so easy to keep in touch with all the things that we want to follow. What are the things that you like to follow? But we're all also following other people. We follow our friends, our parents, our teachers, our bosses, our commanding officers, and we follow them by listening to them, respecting them, and obeying them. Who are the people that you follow? The Bible calls us to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. The authoritative word of God tells us that the most important person that we should follow is Jesus Christ. How do we follow Jesus? There are two main ways that we can follow Jesus. And these are my two points this morning. And again, these are no way exhaustive. But first, we follow Jesus by always being discipled. And second, we follow Jesus by seeking to disciple others. So first point this morning, we follow Jesus by always being discipled. Let's, let's begin by looking at the first part of uh, verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. The Apostle Paul is telling his beloved Timothy to entrust to faithful men what Paul has entrusted to him. So what has Paul entrusted to Timothy? What has Timothy heard from Paul in the presence of many witnesses? He's heard the God-breathed word of God centered on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Timothy has heard the gospel. He has heard the good news that God the Father sent his only son to save, sanctify, and send sinners through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's heard this good news in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, he's heard the gospel through preaching. But not only that, Timothy is also hearing the gospel through the reading of this letter. And this letter is the very word of God. Putting this all together, Paul is discipling Timothy by the means of the preaching and the reading of the Word of God. And now Timothy, he has not only been entrusted, or he has not only heard the gospel, he has been entrusted with it. What that means is that he has been given the responsibility to protect it and to share it. And this is amazing because the Apostle Paul who has been directly given all the authority of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, entrusts the gospel with this young man, Timothy. A few weeks ago, Pastor Jake preached on treasure in jars of clay. Paul is giving Timothy the greatest treasure the universe has ever seen. Talk about a treasure in a jar of clay. The answer to the world's biggest problem has been given to a young man. And he has been entrusted with it to protect it and to share it. Now to 
protect it, he was called to make sure that the word is not edited, added to, or taken away from. In other words, Timothy has no authority over the word. The word is the authority. Timothy is just the messenger. Now, a little side note here. Note the role of the church in this. Paul, who is a church planter, has been appointed directly by Christ, who is the head of the church and the chief cornerstone of the church. Paul is entrusting the gospel with a young pastor so that he can entrust the gospel to faithful men in the church. And not only that, this letter was written to encourage Timothy as a pastor, but it was also written to encourage the local church. Another way to say this is that the gospel has been entrusted to the church to protect and share it. The local church is the center of God's mission on earth. And that's why this letter doesn't only apply to Timothy. It applies to us. It applies to the local church today. Because we have heard the good news that God the Father sent his only son to save, sanctify, and send sinners through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have heard the good news that by faith in Jesus Christ, we are transformed from sinners into disciples. But what is a disciple? And specifically, what is a disciple of Jesus? A disciple is a follower of Jesus who is saved, sanctified, and sent. Saved, sanctified, and sent. A disciple has been saved from the eternal wrath of God they deserve for their sin because they have faith that Jesus Christ satisfied God's wrath on the cross in their place. But not only is a disciple saved, a disciple is in the process of being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. This means that they are gradually being transformed into the image of Christ. And this includes every aspect of their lives, but specifically, it includes relationships. And finally, a disciple is sent by the Father to share the good news of the gospel with the goal of making disciples. And what's amazing about this is that a disciple has been given and is entrusted with the gospel. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have been entrusted with the greatest treasure this world has ever known. You are a jar of clay and you have been entrusted with the answer to the world's biggest problem. And you have been entrusted with it to protect it and to share it with others. But you have not been entrusted with the gospel as an individual in a vacuum. We have been entrusted with the gospel as the church. In other words, the church has been entrusted with the gospel. And the church as a whole has been given the role of protecting it and sharing it. And each one of us has a role to play in that mission. Now we'll come back to that in a minute. But for now, a disciple is a follower of Jesus who has been saved, sanctified, and sent. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? A disciple of Jesus is always being discipled. How? Through the means of grace. The means of grace are Christ's appointed means of communicating the full benefits of redemption to his people. 
That's a very um, thick definition. So we should dive into that. Means are things that are used to reach a desired goal. For example, a guitar is played with the goal of making music. A guitar is the means of making music. In the same way, the means of grace are the instruments that Christ uses to transform us from one degree of glory to another. The means of grace are the places where Christ has promised to meet us and to give us grace. My friends, this is the beauty of following Jesus Christ. It's not like following a rainbow to try to find a pot of gold at the end, which is impossible, by the way. Christ says that he will meet you in his appointed means of grace and he will pour out his treasure on you. So what are these means of grace? The means of grace are God's word, the sacraments or ordinances, however you want to term that, and prayer. And you can think about it like this. Through the preaching or the reading or the hearing of God's word, the Holy Spirit gives us faith. And through the continued preaching and reading and hearing of God's word, through the practice of the sacraments and through the practice of prayer, our faith is sustained until the end. And Jesus Christ has purposely entrusted the means of grace to his church. The church is Christ's chosen context for the means of grace. He has promised that where his people are gathered together like we are this morning, there he will be. He will pour out his treasured grace on his people through the preaching of the word, through the sacraments, through the baptism and Lord's Supper, and through prayer. Now, I'm not saying that reading God's word and praying in private is not important. And that it's not a means of grace because those things are important. They are means of grace. So we should be reading our Bible. We should be praying in public or, excuse me, in private. But what I'm saying is that Jesus Christ will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? Because the church is both the recipient and the vehicle of the means of grace. The church is the place that our Lord has decided to pour out every spiritual blessing And the church is the vehicle that our Lord has decided to use to communicate the means of grace to save, sanctify, and send his people to make disciples of all nations. And if the church is the place where Christ has truly appointed to meet us, and I truly believe this with my whole heart and with my whole life that this is what scripture is teaching, then where else would we go? Where else would we go? Jesus has the words of eternal life, and he's given those words to the church. If you profess to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, why is the local church not a priority in your life? We follow Jesus by always being discipled. Christ disciples us through the means of grace that he has given to the church. Can you be a disciple of Jesus without being discipled by Jesus? There's this book that my wife likes to read to our son, and she's read it so many times that it just sticks in our head, and it goes like this. 
a cow says moo, a sheep says ba, three singing pigs say la, la, la. No, no, you say that isn't right. The pig says oink all day, all night. And then the book goes on. But the point there is really funny that pigs, they don't say la, la, la. Pigs say what? I bet you didn't think you were going to say oink this morning (laughs) in church. Pigs do not say la. Pigs say oink. You can say that you are a pig. You can say that a pig says la, 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 but that's not true. You can say that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ without being discipled, but that's not true. You cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ without following Jesus Christ. In the same way, we know that the pig says oink, and we know that a disciple of Jesus Christ is always being discipled by Christ. Why? Because a disciple of Jesus never outgrows the need of the Redeemer. We will never outgrow our need for God's help and salvation. We will never outgrow our need for God's help and sanctification. We will never outgrow God's, our need for God's help and repentance and love and prayer. We will never outgrow our need for God's help in sharing the gospel with others. My friends, we will never outgrow our need to be discipled by Christ. And therefore, we need to immerse ourselves in the Christ-appointed means of grace. How do we do this? If you profess to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, commit to a local church. Become a member of River City or another church. I believe that the local church is so important that if River City is not the church for you, I will call people in this city to get you connected. We know of other Bible-believing, gospel-centered churches that you can be a part of. Find a church where you can commit to. But you say, maybe, I've been searching for churches, and they're not perfect. I can't find the perfect church. And I say to you, yes, that's the point. The church is not perfect. That's why we need to gather together. That's why we need to immerse ourselves in the means of grace, in the preaching of God's word, in the singing of his praises. There's no such thing as a perfect church in this life, but one day there will be. And so as we wait for that day, let me encourage you, let me urge you to become committed to the local church. Become a member of a church. Can you be committed to a church if you're not a member? I think yes, you can, but not fully. Another way that you can immerse yourself in the Christ-appointed means of grace, if you are a part of River City, commit yourself to a community group. But the bottom line is commit to receiving the means of grace face-to-face while you wait to stand face-to-face with the giver of grace. And here's the thing. We don't come to church 
because we feel guilty if we don't. We come to church to worship the one who has taken our guilt away. We don't become members of the church to earn God's favor. We become members of the church because we want to sit at our Savior's feet and receive his appointed means of grace. My friends, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus by always being discipled. And follow Jesus by seeking to disciple others. So second point this morning, we follow Jesus by seeking to disciple others. Let's go back to 2 Timothy 2.2 again. In what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. As we looked at earlier, the Apostle Paul had handed down the God-breathed word of God centered on the person and work of Jesus Christ to his beloved Timothy. He entrusted Timothy with this message to protect it and to share it. And again, as we looked at earlier, Timothy was to protect the word of God by making sure it wasn't edited, added to, or taken away from. And Paul calls him not only just to share the word, but to entrust it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Timothy was to be very careful about who he entrusted the word of God to. He was to entrust it to faithful men, men who are trustworthy, dependable, reliable, men who will be able to teach others. And it's very probable that Paul has local church elders in mind when he's talking to Timothy here, as the ability to teach is a qualification of being an elder in 1 Timothy chapter 3. But what we see is going on here, Paul, who is a church planter, is entrusting the word to Timothy, a pastor, who is to entrust the word of elders of the church, who are to entrust the word with elders of the church. So to Paul, discipleship is entrusting of the word of God to faithful men who will entrust it to others. The goal of discipleship is discipleship, and the context of discipleship is the church. This applies to us in that if you are a disciple of Jesus, you have been entrusted with the word of God to protect it and to share it. And again, we are to protect the word by making sure it isn't edited, added to, or taken away from. We have no authority over the word of God. The word of God is our authority. We are only its messengers. But again, wow. We have been entrusted with the very words of God. We have been entrusted with them not just to protect them, but to share them. You have been entrusted with the gospel so that you can entrust the gospel to others. You have been entrusted with the greatest treasure this world will ever know to share that treasure with others. You have been made a disciple so that you can make disciples of others. Every single disciple of Jesus Christ has been saved by faith in Christ. They are in the process of being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And every single disciple of Jesus is sent by God the Father. And what a task we have been given. And there is no greater or more important task than making disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. And we do this through discipleship.
So what is discipleship? Discipleship is the face-to-face communication of the means of grace with others in order to save, sanctify, and send them. Again, that is a very in-depth definition, so let's walk through this here. Discipleship is face-to-face. What that means is it's relational, it's personal, it's real. We share our failures and our successes and everything with each other. Discipleship is face-to-face communication. Communication is not just a one-way street. Communication goes both ways. So this includes asking questions. It includes listening. But it also includes talking and sharing. And what are we to talk and share? The means of grace. This is what we are communicating. Again, these are God's words, the sacraments, and prayer. And it's important for us to know that in discipleship, only the means of grace has the power to save, sanctify, and send. It is nothing within us. And again, we do this in order to save, sanctify, and send. This is the goal of discipleship. And in this definition, I did not give a setting. The setting of discipleship can be in large group settings like we are right now. This is a large group setting. You can do it in small group settings like we do in our community groups. And you can do discipleship in one-on-one discipleship. So our mission statement as a church is to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. And here's how we do that. We do this through Sunday morning worship, which we're doing right now. We do this through small group worship throughout the week. And we do this in one-on-one discipleship meetings. We believe that Sunday morning worship is the primary vehicle for discipleship. That's why we preach the word every single Sunday. It is the primary way that Christ has appointed for his disciples to be discipled. And the pinnacle of that is the preaching of the word of God. Then we scatter in small groups that we call community groups. In our community groups, we seek face-to-face fellowship, we share life together, and we spend our time together using God's word and prayer, which are means of grace, to save, sanctify, and send us. And then currently, as a church, we have no formal plan for every single person in the church to be discipled one-on-one. There's a couple of things going on here. One, we want to give you the freedom to build and reach out to those relationships. And two, this is an area that we want to grow in as a church. And as I share where we want to grow, keep in mind that our philosophy for one-on-one discipleship flows from this passage in Timothy. Timothy was to be intentional about who he was entrusting the gospel to. He was to be intentional about who he was discipling. And so if I had it my way, I would love to personally disciple every single person at this church. But since that would kill me, and it is physically impossible, we want to be intentional about who we disciple. So here's our plan. Lord willing, our goal is to have everyone interested in eldership 
personally discipled by an elder. And actually, not only that, everyone who is currently an elder, which we are, we are doing currently, being one-on-one discipled. Now, another area where we want to grow in one-on-one discipleship is with our community group leaders. We feel that our care and our discipleship for them is a little bit lacking. So our goal and something that we've been working on and we're going to continue to work on is to have every community group leader discipled one-on-one by an elder. In this way, we are intentionally making disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. And every single person here has an opportunity for one-on-one discipleship. Everyone who is in a community group has opportunity for discipleship within the people of your community group and with your community group leader. And your community group leader has access to an elder. And so you see, our elders are discipling our community group leaders who are seeking disciple others. And our elders are discipling, other, discipling elders who will seek to disciple other elders. This is how we are seeking to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. And we do this because the goal of discipleship is discipleship. Discipleship, by its very nature, is multiplicative. Can everyone say multiplicative? It's fun. Multiplication is one of our core values. We seek to multiply new disciples. We seek to launch new community groups. We seek to develop new elders and deacons and plant new churches across the street and around the world. Back in the day, a long time ago, bow and arrow was a primary weapon in battle. But before the arrows could be used, they needed to be carefully crafted. You had to sharpen the tip. You had to straighten the shaft. You have to make sure the fletching is on right. You have to make sure the knock is working. And once the arrow is ready, you put it in the quiver, and then that arrow would be pulled out, and it would be shot at the enemy. And this is what we're seeking to do in discipleship. We're preparing arrows to be shot out to advance the kingdom of God across the street and around the world. And this is so cool that what River, this is what River City has been a part of. We have put arrows in our quiver and we have shot them out to downtown Fargo, which is where we are now. We've shot them out to North Fargo, to Moorhead, to South Fargo, Lord willing, to Kindred, to Grand Forks, to Grafton, to Bismarck. We've sent them out to Vergas, to Brooklyn Park, to Minneapolis, to Spearfish, to St. Louis, to Togo, to Central African Republic, to Uganda, to Turkey, to Nepal, to China. Wow. Praise God. And you know what's cool about that? The majority of the people that we have sent out, they're not missionaries. They're not pastors. They're not church planters. They're everyday disciples of Jesus who have been discipled at River City Church by God's word, the sacraments, and prayer on Sunday mornings and in community groups. And God uses them in their everyday lives to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. How awesome is that? We're sending out arrows so that they can send out more arrows. We're making disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. And if we're not doing this, then what are we doing? 
A disciple of Jesus is always seeking to disciple others. <clears throat> but discipleship is hard. It's hard. There are so many things that distract us. What are the things that distract you from discipleship? There are so many things that keep us busy. What are you busy multiplying? But not only that, actually sharing life with people is hard. It is hard to be truly known. It is hard to get asked hard questions. It is hard to ask others hard questions. It's hard to have someone lovingly point out your sins and your idols and your blind spots. But it is so necessary. And discipleship provides that. And here's the beauty of it. As a disciple of Jesus, we have no reason to hide our secret sins because our identity is in Christ. And I can tell you that one-on-one discipleship in my life has been super hard, but it's been the best thing for me. Those moments where people who I know love me say, I think you need to quit drinking. They say, hey, you're addicted to pornography? Let me walk with you. They say, hey, you want to pursue this young woman for marriage? Let me help you do that in a way that honors God and cares for her heart. Discipleship is powerful. And we follow Jesus by seeking to disciple others. Can you truly follow Jesus without seeking to disciple others? I don't think so. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We don't learn how to fish to keep our line in the boat. Right? We learn how to fish so that we can catch a 28-inch walleye. If that's what you're into. We follow Jesus so that we can disciple others. My friends, you have been entrusted with the gospel so that you can entrust the gospel with others. You have been made a disciple of Jesus so that you can make disciples of Jesus. Who are you currently discipling? If you are currently discipling someone, thank you. Thank you for being a part of the mission of River City, and more importantly, thank you for being a part of the mission of God. But the next question is, who should you reach out to for discipleship? And what I mean by that question is two things. One, some of us may not feel ready to reach out to disciple somebody else. So when I ask, who do you need to reach out to for discipleship, for discipleship, it may be asking them to disciple you. That's great. But it also means if you feel like you are ready to disciple someone, who can you reach out to to disciple them? And how do we answer that question? Well, who is in your sphere? Is there a classmate, a roommate, a coworker that you could reach out to? Is there a family member? Is there someone in your community group that you could reach out to? If you're married, your spouse is your most important discipleship relationship. 
If you have kids, they are your second most important discipleship relationship. So let me lovingly encourage you to begin or renew those relationships. A disciple of Jesus is always being discipled by Jesus. A disciple of Jesus is seek excuse me, a disciple of Jesus seeks to disciples others, disciple others. As a disciple of Jesus, you have been entrusted with the greatest news that this world has ever known. And what a glorious gift. You have been entrusted with that gift, with the gospel, so that you can entrust the gospel to others. You have been made a disciple so that you can make disciples of others. Will you join us in making disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus? Let's pray. (coughs) Father, we thank you that you have poured out your grace upon us to save us. We thank you that you continue to pour out your grace upon us to sanctify us and to send us. And we thank you that one day we will get to be face to face with you, the giver of grace. And I pray, Lord, that as we wait for that day, that we intentionally, that we purposely seek discipleship in large group on Sunday morning. May our hearts be drawn to the local church. May we longingly desire to be a part of the mission of God in the local church to protect and share the word of God. Equip us for this mission, Lord, and send us out as arrows to advance the kingdom of God. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.